Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 279. Y'all ready for this? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, if there's one thing he wish he could do faster, it would be write more books, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me in this session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest who's gonna help you get more hours in the day. Yes, I know we all have 24 hours in the day, but this person's gonna help you find the fringe hours. Uh, it's a little clue. Um, obviously, you've probably seen the title of this already, so you may already know who our guest is. We're gonna be talking with the author of The Fringe Hours, Jessica Turner, also a blogger at themomcreative.com and a speaker. And she's with us today to talk about, well, how do we find more time? We all lead these incredibly busy lives, but there are actually pockets of time throughout the day that we could utilize to our advantage, which might surprise you. And in addition to that, we're going to talk about work-life balance. And actually, is that a real thing? Is that a myth? How do we actually do that? Jessica has a lot of really, really amazing and inspiring things to say about that. That's going to help all of us because we all are so busy, right? And we all wish we had more time in the day. So I'm just really excited about this. And uh, Jessica's built an amazing business actually at themomcreative.com. So make sure to check her out as well. And yeah, let's not wait any longer. Here she is. This is Jessica Turner from themomcreative.com. Hey, everybody, what's up? Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm very excited to welcome Jessica Turner from themomcreative.com on the podcast. Jessica, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. Me too, and you've got, you've got a lot of great things going on, and I just told you right before we started to hit record that it's also gorgeous looking online. Everything you put your hand into, it looks like it's just so exquisite and very well done. So please, if you all have an opportunity, make sure you go to themomcreative.com. It's your website and the way it looks is all beautiful. But I want to dive into your story a little bit and talk about kind of what were you doing before themomcreative.com happened and how did you get here? 
Well, I started the blog 11 years ago, so I am old when it comes to blogging. And my husband and I live in Nashville, and we have three kids. But when I started, we didn't have any kids, but our family was all out of town. And so I started the blog just as a place to talk about what we were doing in Nashville. I was really big into scrapbooking, and I noticed that all the scrapbooking celebrities were blogging. And so I wanted Mm. to do that, too. Um, I don't know if you know that there are scrapbooking celebrities, but they are out there. <laughs> so I started um, blogging about those projects and those sorts of things. And then I got pregnant in 2007. And that was right at the beginning of the big mommy blogger boom. And so after I had my son, I started having brands approaching me and my site was really growing and started doing more of those collaborations. On top of the blog, I work full time in marketing. At that time, I was at a PR firm. Now I do social strategy at a large healthcare company. And so I had my feet in two different areas, the blogging world and the marketing world full-time job. And so it evolved as the blog grew and as our family grew and as my time sort of got stretched thin, Mm -hmm. um, I I started writing a lot more about what does this look like to have passion projects and be passionate about things that you want to do and make time for them. And women were asking, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? And so after getting so many questions about that, that is when I turned to writing books and encouraging women in the space around making time for themselves and practicing self-care. I love that. And you have a great book called The Fringe Hours, which we'll talk about in a minute. And just so you guys who are listening to this don't think that this information is just relevant to women. Uh, I know that a lot of the work-life balance stuff is, is going to be uh, relevant for both men and women. So we're going to dive into that as well. I'm curious though, um, as we go back to w- what you just said, you're, you still have a full-time job now, even though the blog is kind of doing well. Why are you still um, in, in sort of corporate world in addition to blogging at the same time still? You know, I really like it. <laughs> That's a great answer. short answer, right? That's a great like answer. <laughs> I, I really like the community. I really like the work that I do. I also um, really like the healthcare benefits mm. and the other things that come with working with a very large company. Um, my husband is a full-time writer and photographer. And so I also kind of like that stability um, mm. because as we all know, online businesses can be really great at some points and really tough during other months. So um, all of those things, I think keep me working. Um, But I just haven't felt prompted to leave. I certainly could. My income online is such that that would be doable. Um, But I really like working with the people that I do and where I'm at. So I continue to work. I also think it really helps with my platform because I am very relatable to my audience because they are all working Mm -hmm. at regular kind of nine to five jobs. And so in that regard, I feel like we are able to really connect because they see me as somebody who's like them. Totally. I love that. I mean, it's very similar to my good friend, Mark Mason over at Late Night I Am. He has a corporate job, but he does his internet marketing at night. That's why it's late night and people can relate to him for the exact same reasons. And I, and, and I love that. Um, what we're going to talk about today is a lot of work-life balance. I know that this is something my audience in particular struggles with because we only have so many hours in the day. And how do we know what to do and when and keep, you know, with the family and everything that we want to do? Like, how do we all keep that balance? What would be your way or your method of approaching just balance in a person's life when, you know, it's kind of every, everything just seems kind of out of whack most of the time. So my big challenge is that word balance, Pat. So I don't think there really is such a thing as work-life balance. The more research I've done on the subject and mm-hmm. just thinking about my own life, I don't think that 
I think that's the problem is that we're trying to have balance and there's no such thing. Work isn't separate from life. They bleed into each other. I read a great book by a man named Matthew Kelly and he talks about work-life satisfaction. And I like that philosophy a lot better, right? So there might be times where you are working a ton and work is really heavy and that's bleeding into your life. But if it's work that you love and you're satisfied, that isn't going to have the same type of negative repercussions as you're working a lot and you hate the work that you do, right? Mm -hmm. Even though in both cases, one might say that your work-life balance is out of balance, right? So um, I'm constantly thinking about, am I satisfied in the different areas of life that I'm living? Be that work, family, my passion projects, um, travel, things that I'm enjoying doing, all of those things. Is there satisfaction? And is there anything that feels like, man, this should be a little higher than it is on the priority list? Or this should be, I should be doing this a little more. Am I satisfied in all of those different areas? And if I'm not satisfied, then I realize that I need to make a change. I love that. I love that satisfaction sort of approach. Do you come at it with also some more uh, exercises or examples or something that you could like offer the audience to sort of write down to determine whether or not they're satisfied, uh, you know, satisfied with where they're at? Because I know in our heads, it's it's really in our heads where we feel, okay, things are out of whack and things are off kilter a little bit. Do you have any good strategies or exercises for helping us sort of lay things out so we can start to sort of see what's going on in our lives? I think it is really helpful to get out a pen and paper and write a list of everything that's going on. And I think when you do that, you can really easily see, man, this is too much and I need to cut is usually the reaction that that someone is going to have. (laughs) Um, But sometimes it's the act of seeing it all on paper. I also talk about in the fringe hours, the two definitions of balance. One is having things equally yoked, but the other is an emotional feeling of balance. And a lot of times things will fit really well on our calendars. Everything's compartmentalized really great. But then when it comes to executing all of those things, we're overwhelmed, we're burned out, we're stressed. And so you've got to think about that emotional component as well, not just what is on that list or on that calendar. I also really recommend that people time track for a week. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling burned out, or you feel like, man, I don't have time to do anything that I love, any passion projects, then track your time for a week, just like you would track your calories, just like you would track your steps, track everything that you're doing, not just the big things, but the laundry and the car pickup line and the work meetings and the meal prep and the cleanup, all of those things, track that. And when you do that for a week, you can kind of see where you should maybe cut some things. What are the need to do's versus the nice to do's, as well as maybe where there are some pockets of time that you didn't realize that you had. Yeah, let's talk about those pockets of time. I think that's another thing that people feel like they just don't have any extra time. But I know that when I talk to people and we do things like that, we write things down. I mean, we can often find little hidden moments here and there throughout the day where, you know, all that can add up. And uh, in your experience working with people and and through your book, um, are there more common areas of people's lives where they can pull extra additional minutes or hours from that are uh, more common than others? And, And what might those places be? Sure. So those little pockets of time are what I call the fringe hours, those pockets of time that often go underused or wasted altogether. I'm really harnessing those bits of time to do things that I love. So some of the key times for people are first thing in the morning. Generally, you're not going to have appointments. You're not going to need to work that 
first bit of time? Can you get up a little earlier and have time for yourself? I, I speak predominantly to women, and it's interesting how many women wake up at the same time as their kids. And when we go through this exercise, they find that if they wake up before their children and they have time to basically live that oxygen mask philosophy of putting on that oxygen mask for themselves and taking care of themselves first before they're taking care of everything and everyone else that they have to do, that they're a lot more satisfied in their day. So morning is a great opportunity. Lunch is another one. And if you work at a traditional job like me, you get a lunch break. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to leave the office and go and do something for themselves during that bit of time. Afternoons can be an opportunity. Evenings are, for most people, that biggest chunk of time. And when you do that time tracking exercise, what is astonishing is how much time we spend watching television or surfing the internet. People say to me all the time, I don't have time to do X, Y, Z. Then they do the time tracking and they see that they watched 12 hours of television yeah. that week. And oh, so sh- that, that big, that is a big chunk of time um, that you could be doing other things. So those are the big ones. And then time of wa- times of waiting is the last one. On average, Americans wait 45 to 60 minutes a day. And so that's a huge chunk of time that you could be doing something that you enjoy. I surveyed 2,000 women for the fringe hours, and the number one thing that they said they wanted to do was read. 80% of women said that they would read if they had more time. And reading is something you can very easily do while you're waiting. You can listen to an audiobook, or you can have it on a Kindle app on your phone or you can have a physical book in your bag or your briefcase or your purse. So think about when are you waiting every single day and can you use even that bit of time to do something that brings you joy? What are some times uh, that people are waiting? I think uh, a lot of us, we don't even realize we're waiting sometimes until somebody points it out. Well, you wait at the doctor's office, unfortunately. You wait in line at the grocery store. You wait in line at Panera when you're waiting for your lunch. And Mm -hmm. then you wait when they're preparing it. You wait to order. Uh, We're waiting for for meetings. A lot of times I will have five minutes before a meeting when I'm waiting for everybody to get in the conference room and I'll pull out a note card and write a note to somebody during that little bit of time or I'll have my phone out instead of scrolling on Facebook. I'm reading the book that I've been reading on my Kindle app. So those little bits of time really add up. I love that. Do you often and also account for just time to relax and like meditation time or you know breathing time so instead of feeling like you have to get everything done with the extra minutes like can you use those extra minutes for you know just kind of decompression a little bit Absolutely. And I find that a lot of people spend some of that time first thing in the morning when they wake up, Mm -hmm. they like to pray or meditate. Uh, There's also a lot of meditation apps that I have heard in my research that people like to do in the car. So when they have long commutes, they'll listen to breathing exercises or meditation apps or meditations, you know, just to ponder while they're driving. So that can be another great time to do that. Yet you don't have to necessarily be doing something with your hands or doing something with your mind. It's whatever you need to do to kind of take care of yourself. For some people that might be exercise or taking a walk or those types of things as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you, Jessica. Um, You know, I'm also thinking about, you know, scheduling these things in and, you know, that's how we all want to live or a lot of us do actually just want to live by the calendar. But I know, and and you know this too, being a mom, uh, when you have kids, I mean, it's just almost impossible to to get things done, or it seems that way. Um, and I know you said you you had your first child in 2007, and then two more after that. Um, and I know that every time we've had a kid, it's sort of offered us a, a another new set of challenges related to okay, when can I get 
work done versus taking care of the kids, you know, and all that. I mean, there's so much going on when when something like that enters your life. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a kid. It could be something else that happens that really kind of changes everything. How do you approach those kinds of bigger life moments uh, when it comes to, you know, staying afloat and keeping things going with other things that are important, like, you know, your work and your business and and your relationships? I think that it's important to remember that there's a season for everything. So when I had my son, Ezra, who's now two, I mm. had him six weeks before I released my first book, The Fringe Hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like I like to joke that I bir- gave birth twice in six <laughs> weeks, um, birth to baby, then birth to book. Um, but I was on maternity leave from my day job. Um, but I knew that that season was going to look really different, right? And I had to give myself a lot of grace in what I was doing and in what I wasn't doing. And I think it's really important to recognize what are those need to do things in this season that you're in and what are the nice to do things like the need to do things are you have to go to work you have to eat you have to at least get a little bit of sleep right the nice to do things might be the cleaning or reading you might not be reading quite as much you know and so I think just being aware that this is a season and being flexible and recognizing what it is that you're going to do. And if you are in the online space with me being a blogger, a lot of times I'll be really honest with my readers. I'm going into a heavy writing season Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be taking a break from the blog and I'm going to let them know, look, this is a time where I'm not going to be as present online because I'm working on this other project and I just don't have the bandwidth. And I think that it's important to let your audience know, let the people in your life know, kind of this is where you're at so that their expectations can be managed and that then you don't feel guilty or feel like you're failing or some of those other types of things. Also, it's important to recognize when you need to bring in help. So if you are in a season that's really challenging with parenting or with work, it might be that you need another set of hands and recognizing that and then following through and getting that help will make a huge difference in your satisfaction and how you feel about life, your work, whatever it is that is the frustration point, the pain point for you. And it will also make a difference in someone else's life, right? Because you're giving them work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Do you and your husband have any strategies for how to manage and balance things and, you know, take care of the kids together? I'm curious to know if you're willing to share kind of how you, how you both work together to, to keep everything going. My husband is amazing and he works from home and has that flexibility that I don't have at a traditional nine to five. And so we have found that it works best for him to do all the drop off and pick up for the kids for the most part. He does all the soccer practices and the running around and and that sort of thing um, to give me the flexibility that I need with work. And we're really good Mm -hmm. at communicating about this is what's going on this week. We have a command center in our kitchen, which has sort of been life changing. It's just two months of two wipe off calendars and it has everything on written on it so we can see it right there at a glance um we're not digital i have lots of friends and people that i've interviewed who say they use google calendars to keep track of all their kids sports practices and different colors and all of that we aren't there yet although we might get there um but that Mm -hmm. command center works really well for us as well and i think being open enough and vulnerable enough to say, this is a hard season for me because of this, because the book is releasing or because I have this deadline, I signed this contract. He doesn't know all the contracts that I'm signing for the blog. So I need help with this. And then as soon as I say that, he's happy to help. I think so often 
at least for women, it can be a challenge to say, I need help. And we just expect our spouses to be mind readers and they're not. And so we have learned that if we talk, things are a lot easier um, and arguments don't happen and some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Being open. I mean, it's not just a, a, a woman thing. It's a man thing, too, to be, be afraid <laughs> to say those things sometimes. So right. <laughs> um, you had mentioned contracts really quick. I'm curious, like, what, what kind of things do you mean, like book contracts or, or other things? Sure. So on the Mom Creative, I work with a lot of brands. And so I do a good bit of sponsored contract work where I will work with a brand for a sponsored post or a sponsored Facebook Live or sponsored Twitter content, whatever it is. And so I will have to hit certain deadlines for those contracts. So that's what I was referencing there because those things are kind of coming up one off week by week of different deadlines that I have. Okay, that's cool. Uh, And so that provides a little bit of income, I'm sure, from that company in exchange for getting in of your audience am i right that's right Mm -hmm. how do you or how would you recommend somebody start something like that i know there's a lot of mom bloggers and and dad bloggers in the audience who aren't quite at that point where they're ready to sort of launch an online course Um, perhaps there's a book ready for them too which i know you've done too so you're providing a a lot of inspiration for that but what about these sponsored posts and, and and reviews and things like that is that a viable strategy that people can can start with and or, or do you have to have a minimum, would you say, to, to be able to even initiate that? And who, who initiates, uh, initiates that in the first place? Sure. Gosh, so many questions there, Pat. Where do I begin? Sorry. Um, I, <laughs> I usually tell people, don't ask more than one question if you're interviewing somebody. I just ask you three. Yes. So, <laughs> so in terms of a minimum, you know, there probably is. I was fortunate enough that e- even in 2007, 2008, uh, when I was just starting working with brands, I already mm-hmm. had a significant amount of traffic. So I, I think that you just need to recognize that if your traffic is, you know, less than 10,000 page views, it's maybe going to be difficult to land some of those bigger contracts, but everybody starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. And there's some brands that don't have really big budgets and they're happy working with smaller platforms um, because you're going to write great authentic content. It's going to help them with SEO and some of those types of things. As far as getting in front of brands or how do you get those contracts, there's lots of ways. There's agencies. So different PR firms that work with brands, there are kind of third party organizations, the Clever Network comes to mind, the Motherhood, um, Acorn, Influence, lots of different organizations like that, where they provide opportunities to work with brands and they identify the bloggers. And so you sign up for their network, they send out opportunities, you apply, if you're a good fit, then you get put together with them and you get paid for that content. So that's another way to do it. And then the other way is just working with the brand directly. Mm -hmm. I would say for anybody who's looking to kind of get started in that, I would recommend that they sign up for those networks and that they go to blogging conferences. There are so many blogging conferences all over the country, big and small, and those brands are looking to meet new influencers. And so they are at these conferences, networking, passing business cards, and you can pitch to them whether it's product or it is, you know, sponsored content, just money directly. This is what I can offer. This is what my rate is, or this is what I would like to do. And I've done both, both product trades and getting compensated financially. And there are benefits to both. And and I think it is a great revenue stream for bloggers. Absolutely. That's really cool. I love that. I love that you mentioned also going to blogging conferences. There's a lot of great reasons to do that, not only to just learn uh, from other speakers that are there, but connect with other people too. But like you said, a lot of these brands, they want to go where these people are and they go to these conferences. And I think that's that's a very smart thing. 
uh, to do. I think one of the hardest things to do if if that's the case and you're going to one of those things is just to initiate those conversations. Do you have any tips for some of those shy bloggers out there who know they have to talk to people but are just a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit shy about it? You know, if it's hard to talk with them, then maybe conferences aren't the first place you should go. Maybe it is having a really great online media kit. It's figuring out the pitch that's going to work really well for you. And it's doing those individual interactions Mm -hmm. um, because you certainly do have to be willing to put yourself out there when you go up to a table, go out to a booth, and there's a rep that is judging every single person there. So (laughs) you've got to bring your A game. Um, I don't think that you need to bring a media kit, but you definitely want to have a professional looking business card. I really like when your business card has your photo on it because it helps the rep remember who you are when they go back with 300 business cards. They remember meeting you that way. Mm. Um, So I think it's important that you are going to be able to be bold enough to do that when you go to that conference or else it's just not going to be worth your time, I feel like. That's amazing advice. Thank you. Uh, Let's let's talk about the fringe hours. I I think it's a... um, you know, the book writing process, you know, I've gone through that myself. I'd love to talk to you about when the idea was planted to start writing the book and, and kind of what that process was like for you. I was actually at a blogging conference, Pat. Oh, <laughs> So look at that segue. We didn't even plan it. You didn't even know, but I was at a conference, a great conference called Alt, and I was in a time management session, and the title Fringe Hours came to me during that session, and I immediately bought the domain right there at the conference. And it was just one of those things that I instantly felt that I had to write about. And my husband is an author. He's published more than 20 books. I've never wanted to write a book. I had no (laughs) desire to write a book. But I felt like it was almost an act of obedience that I had to write this book. And so I went to, I was staying with a friend at this conference who lived um, in the city. And I went home to her house. And that night I started writing a book proposal. Like it was immediate. I had to get it down. So kind of unusual um, because I have lots of friends in the publishing industry because of my husband's contacts. I was able to find an agent pretty quickly that I felt was a good fit for me. I didn't want to have the same agent as him for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Um, Mostly just, you know, wanting to keep things separate, right? Um, And so found the agent, started working with her on a proposal and it was crazy. That conference was at the end of January and by spring, we were pitching the book and I had chapters written. I had filmed a promo video and the book was signed by that summer. So within six, seven months, we had a fantastic deal. And I ended up signing a two book deal, uh, which I didn't anticipate either. Here's the girl who doesn't want to write a book at all now (laughs) has to write two books. um, And then set out to do the research on the fringe hours that fall, and then wrote it that winter really in my fringe hours. So that that's one of those seasons that we talked about where I did not have the capacity to do a lot of extra I wasn't doing a great job of taking care of myself necessarily, because all of my fringe hours were spent writing the fringe hours. Mm. Um, So that writing that is often a passion for me, in this instance, it was work, but it was work that needed to be done. I recognized that it was a season. I took a break then uh, when I finished it and had some time before doing the edits. And uh, it was just remarkable. And it came out, you know, the following year as books do. And it's been amazing how many women have been impacted by the message. But it's fun how many men have read the book, either because their wives were reading it or just because the idea of making time for you was something that struck them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been cool. It's been really neat. 
That's awesome. Besides the amazing feedback from the readers, uh, professionally, what has the book been able to do for you and your brand? The biggest opportunity that it has brought to me is speaking opportunities, which is fantastic because speaking is my favorite thing to do. I love getting on a stage. I love getting to meet other people and share that message in mm-hmm. a broad capacity. And so because of the book, I've had that. The book ended up hitting the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Okay. And so thanks. So that was really fun. And then that led to some other opportunities. You know, I had a little media tour that was a lot of fun. And then I think just broadening my audience, you know, people who otherwise never would have found me, but picked up the book, it resonated with them. And then they found me online. And then they signed up for my course. And then they started following the blog and signed up for my newsletter and all of those types of things. Uh, It also changed the content that I was writing a bit because in doing the research and and really immersing myself in the topic, it became such a passion project for me that I felt like I needed to write more about this. I recognized the problem for so many women who were not making time for themselves and that I could really be an advocate for them and and a voice that they would listen to, kind of giving them that permission slip. And so having the desire to equip them more has also been something that happened as a result of the book. Is there one passage or one chapter or one thing from the book that more people talk about than anything else? It's interesting. The first section of the book deals with why we don't make time for ourselves. When I set out to write the book, I thought that it was just going to be a how-to guide on how to find the fringe hours. You track your time. Mm -hmm. Here's what you do. Here's how you maximize a really practical how-to book. And when I did the research and surveyed these 2,000 women and I had 500 pages of comments and the open-ended questions, I realized how many women weren't making time for themselves because of guilt, because of feeling like they needed to have perfect balance, comparison. And so I recognized that I needed to start with why people weren't making time for themselves first. And that section, which was the hardest thing for me to write because I didn't really deal with those issues, right? I was living out the fringe hours Mm -hmm. is the one that resonates the most with people. They see themselves in those first few chapters. But what's powerful about that is because they see themselves in those chapters, it it motivates them to continue on with the book to have the life change and get that solution. I love that. Can we dive a little bit into that guilt and, and, and exactly what that means? Can you expand on sort of why people feel that way? Sure. You know, guilt is a, a funny little gremlin. And <laughs> I think that in speaking to women in particular, I think online influence really plays a role into this. So women see how other people are living through Instagram or Facebook or blogs that they're reading, mm-hmm. and they think that they should be living a certain way. And if they aren't doing those things, they feel guilty about it. Mom guilt is also a real thing that I think just happens in the birthing room, you birth a baby and you all of a sudden have all these feelings of guilt of things you should be doing and how you should be spending your time. And and somewhere along the way, people have learned that they should not be making time for themselves, that that shouldn't be a priority, that other things were more important, be it work or cleaning or cooking or anything else, anything your kids are doing, that you say yes to all of those mm-hmm. things and that the easiest thing to cut out of your life is your own self care. And if you prioritize your self-care, you feel guilty because you think you should be doing those other things. And so really, it's a changing of perspective that you need to be part of the equation. And for so many women, they're not a part of the equation. And so when they're not, then that's when guilt comes up because they want to spend time with friends, but their kids haven't seen them all day because they've worked all day. And so then they feel guilty because they aren't home with them that one night when really their kids are not going to remember that they went out to dinner 
on a Tuesday night in February, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you had mentioned it earlier, the analogy of the oxygen mask. It's, you know, how when they're doing that demonstration on the plane, they always say, you know, put the mask on yourself first and then put it onto your young kids or or whoever's around you. And I think that that's a perfect way to to sum this up because, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't really take care of anybody else either. Um, And and not just health wise either, but like mentally um, and and spiritually and and all those uh, emotionally, all those sort of things. And I think it's really important to give yourself a little bit of time to grow personally and to reflect and to feel grateful for the things that you have. That's why, you know, Hal Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning, spoke really well to me because right. it, it gave me the morning hours specifically uh, to, to find those fringe hours to do things for myself to grow personally, which is just transpired into all other parts of my life and, and my kids and stuff too. So I, I, I that's why I really wanted to talk to you about the fringe hours and how important that is to find that time for yourself too, so that you can better serve other people, kids, your audience, your spouse, whoever. Um, so thank you for that inspiration. Yeah. And I think that it's really important in thinking about lives as online entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general. A lot of time our passion projects can turn into work. And when that happens, it's important to realize that you need to pivot and find another passion project and not let that project just be work all the time. So like writing the fringe hours, writing it has been something that I enjoy doing as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Now it's a job. So because it's a job, I need to be sure that I'm doing something else that's going to fill me up in a way that brings me joy and not just work may i ask you what that is now so it's reading for me i'm in that 80 percent. and what was so interesting was the year that the fringe hours released which was also the year that ezra was born right so i wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping i was nursing i had a book to promote all of those things i read less than 10 books which for me was like nothing i was dying and and so i made the commitment that this next year i am going to read more and that was my single goal and i read 50 books that year and I saw a huge difference in how I felt and how I interacted with people in where my priorities were. I would say, you know what? Tonight, I'm not cleaning up the kitchen. Tonight, I'm just going to go take a bath and read a book. And that simple act <laughs> of reading was was transformative for me. You know, And I was just living what I preach. Um, and, and sometimes we, we need to do that, too. That's cool. I love that. And before we go, I, I, you had mentioned a course just briefly earlier. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what that course is um also why did why did you create it how has it been for your business i mean uh, had you always thought of creating a course um and then also uh like where could we go and check it out pat there's a whole lot of questions there guys. i know All i right. did it again oh, i'm sorry <laughs> So the course is called Stretched Too Thin, 10 Days to Overcoming the Hustle and Thriving as a Working Mom. And it answers another question that I get asked all the time is, how do you do it all and work kind of thing? Because so many women feel stretched too thin. I did a survey of just working moms, and that was the number one thing that they wrote in those open-ended questions was that they felt stretched too thin. And so this was the answer to all of those common struggles that working women face, although I don't think it's true of just working women, but things like home management, making time for your spouse, parenting well, boundaries at work, all of those things. And so the course goes through 10 days and identifies a different struggle in every one of those days and gives some practical solutions. So people can learn more about the course at stretchedtothincourse.com. And for your listeners, if they enter the coupon code PAT, 
really easy. They'll get $10 off. So um, it's been great. It's been phenomenal for my business, not just financially, but in terms of connecting with people. I love that with the course, we have a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. There's more than a thousand working moms in there who are connecting and giving their own solutions and strategies and reading good content and sharing with one another and just having that community of other people who get it, I think is really, really powerful and one of the greatest things that has come out of the course. I love that. Jessica, great job. Wonderful inspiration uh, you've provided for us today. Thank you so much. And everybody check out the momcreative.com. Uh, and then what's that? course link one more time it's stretched to thin course.com awesome thank you jessica we appreciate you um any final parting words to all the busy people out there trying to get things done if you are busy i want to encourage you look at the next week and find a pocket of time where you can do something just for you not because you have to but because you want to boom all right jessica thank you so much uh take care and all the best thank you so much have a great day All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica Turner. Again, you can find her at themomcreative.com or like she said, she was actually offering everybody here a little bit of a discount off her course, stretchedtothin.com. So again, go to stretchedtothin.com and use the discount code PAT. So thank you for that, Jessica. I appreciate you. If you want to get all the links and the resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 279. All right, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I look forward to uh, serving you in next week's episode. we got a great success story to share with you. Until then, keep working hard, keep pushing the needle, keep finding those extra hours during the day or those extra minutes because, like Jessica was saying, they do absolutely add up. And uh, here's to you and your success. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.